This is Business Dad. What lessons has one of the Miami Heat's big three taken from the hardwood to his household? On this episode, Alexis Ohanian speaks with 11-time NBA All-Star Chris Bosh. Chris recently retired after a phenomenal basketball career that included two NBA championships, one gold medal, and numerous individual accolades. Chris is a member of the National Honor Society, the co-producer of a Gucci Mane song, and a strong advocate for community development. He and his wife, Adrian Williams, have three sons and one daughter. This episode of Business Dad is brought to you by The Mom Project. Here's a shocking statistic. Did you know 43% of highly qualified women leave the workforce after becoming mothers? That's right, 43%. That startling number, and a newborn, kept new mom Allison Robinson up at night in 2016. She founded The Mom Project shortly thereafter as a digital talent marketplace that seamlessly connects talented pros with companies eager for their skills and experience. By supporting a range of work types from part-time to freelance to full-time to contract, companies really get it. The Mom Project ensures that parents, careers, and companies can all thrive. Ready for another stat? A whopping 86% of working mothers would leave a job for an opportunity that better supports their work and life considerations. 86%. And they're looking at the Mom Project for their next career move. Are you ready to get to work? With 200,000 moms across the United States and over 2,000 companies already betting on moms and winning, The Mom Project is certainly ready for you. To learn more about The Mom Project, what it can do to support your career or your business, visit themomproject.com. Boyd, so you got you have five kids. Yeah. When you do anything, if you just want to go down the street to go have breakfast, like you're, you're bringing a little army. Yeah. yeah, it's at least seven people going. Good Lord. We, we okay. do the math. I yeah. always do the math. Yeah. So, like, I have to have, you know, have to have like a big car, a big Escalade. I was gonna say because that either it's that or a minivan, which is not great for yeah, for great. for cred. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. And and did you always know that you wanted to have a big family? Yes and no. Like uh, talking to Adrian. We, we said we wanted a big family. We both wanted a big family uh, when we first got together. Um, I have a brother, you know, and um, I just wanted to exceed that because my dad always talked about having kids, you know, and wanting a big family. And um, I guess it kind of trickled down to me and then it actually happened. So it kind of just happened. you know. Yeah. So we go from I, I had um, my daughter uh, when I was 24 and then. Uh, I met Adrian the very next year, actually. And, um, you know, I'm just in this brand new life. Like, oh, man, I got a kid. I need to I need to slow it down, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I met Adrian and, you know, we both wanted kids. And, man, and son, daughter, son, son. Yeah, the, the twins at the end, that's just an extra little surprise. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, three to five. Boom. Right. right? You're there. And people kept asking you, you want more? No, no, no. I don't want any more. <laughs> That's said, in the next hey, five. It's great. You got a team. You got, mm-hmm. you, got, you got five players on the court, right? Run them two plays, man. Yeah. Do five one oh. Well, and so this is this is particularly relevant because so we're here in Miami where you help bring back to back championships, mm-hmm. played in the league at such a high level for so long. And amidst that, you know, you're you're navigating also fatherhood. Yeah. Right? How with all the travel, with all the 
how did you possibly make it work? What, what were some of the biggest struggles and how did you how did you find ways through it? It's like two different ways to answer that question, right? Okay. Because it's what I knew as I was playing and then what really is. <laughs> okay. So like dig into that. I realized later on that mentally you're not all the way there. During the season, you're focused on something. You know, we're trying to win championships. It was about tonight. It's about last night. And people don't think about it like, you know, I hate it when people say, oh, they have two days off and then they play the Celtics. Not so. We've got practice tomorrow at 11. Uh, we've got practice the next day at 11. And then it's a game day the next day. I, I don't see my kids on the game day because I wake up, you know, about 10 o'clock um, to head to the gym. If it's not that early, they go to school. Right. You know, I come back, take a nap. When they come home, I'm asleep. When I get up, I see him for a little bit, then I'm going to the game, you know? And so it, it was just, it's just like something that's, you know, it, it, you weren't, you're not there as much as you think you are. Sure. So then after I retired, being in the house was like, wow, you have to learn everybody because what you think you know, you don't. So it's like, wow, I have to get to know my kids. So coming in the kid, you know, in the living room, like, uh, it's loud in here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Always this loud? <laughs> yeah. And, and so then, in a lot of ways then, so credit to Adrian, your wife, for, for being that rock during that period. What were off-seasons like? Because I think that's another, that's another thing where, where people outside of the world of sport don't really understand. They think y'all are just down in uh, Mexico hanging out for, for the summer. <laughs> yeah. But it's, that's not the case at all, is it? Not at all. Well, when we were you know, competing at the level we were competing at, the summers are very short, so we usually got the whole team together and went on vacation right away, you know, about two, three weeks, and then uh, we'd come back and... Um, well, real quick, why was that so important to get that vacation out right right from there? Because I don't know when else... You don't, you don't know when it's going to happen, and, and, and I think it was more rewarding for uh, my wife because she's been... You know, they go through their season, too, yes. you know, and um, she's ready to vacation after mm-hmm. it's over. She's like, I got you. Let's <laughs> yeah. go. And, there, and, and, and there's, no, there's no way to truly substitute for mama yeah. d- during her season. Oh. Right there's no, you can't just you can't just wait for the buzzer. Yo, they she has to leave the kids every you know every other night when I'm home. So and you know that's like a game in itself. Like the kids, boy, hey, no, 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 you got to have an escape route. <laughs> you know, you got to have it. Okay, I'm gonna get her to watch a movie. Yes, and then and I can then, have a little bit yeah, of time because if they hear my heels downstairs, it's over. She had to do that every night, and then you know, come and support the team, and you know, then it's a family. You know, uh, um, it's a very, very family-oriented sport. You know, she's she's friends with Savannah James and friends with Gabrielle Union and friends with, you know, uh, Heidi Battier. And everybody's married. We had that type of team. So it was a whole other thing, you know, for so uh, social-wise when you get there. So is that, it sounds like that's sort of just a natural byproduct of exceptional people in an exceptional space who just have to adapt where... Yeah, if y'all were living stationary lives in your community in Austin, like you would know, you'd know the other parents in the the PTA, or you'd see other parents. But there is having this lifestyle is, and I've, I mean, I I have gotten a glimpse of it now through my wife. But I think as an outsider, you really can't understand just exactly how different it is, how weird it is. Sure. Were there things that your 
like particularly proud of that that you came up with to try to hack this balance uh, to to be there for family or to find ways to through routines or rituals kind of like that that yearly vacation yeah you know that would pretty much be a time just make it a point to spend time with the children especially mm-hmm. because it's so easy just to kind of just say all right i finally got time to myself let me just be an adult and i'm gonna unwind that way give some time you know and it's not always going to be fun you know you, especially the dad <laughs> routines you're going to get that upper body shoulder workout you lots of carrying <laughs> climbing oh yeah, yeah. you gonna you're going to be put to work I, I just always think you know for for their future mm-hmm. and i know how i felt when i played with my dad mm-hmm. you know it wasn't a lot but i remember those times and you know, or just spending time with them or, or trying to say, all right, come on, let's just go to the pool. Or if you have a pool, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you'd find that thing to kind of connect with them to do. On vacations, usually it, it was just being there. I'd be tired, but I would sit there and they would run on me and pull me and stuff like that. And I'd just act like I'm chasing them or something yeah. or, or breakfast, you know, yeah. just getting the day started, things like that. You, you find your, your niche, you know. It's funny, you're making me think of when Olympia was little, I would do this super baby thing where I would hold her kind of like this and like fly her around the house, right? Making noises and sound effects. Wife thought I was ridiculous, whatever. And I had a whole theme song of super baby. And, and Olympia's getting older and older and bigger and bigger. And now it's like, we're doing super baby. And I'm like, okay, I should have stretched before this. Like she's, she is growing. And <laughs> there is a, there is a, a mental toll and a physical toll that it takes. And it's it's this weird balance because it's it's both depleting and nourishing, yeah. and and it's this give and take where I could be having some kind of day, and then if I can just the, the first minute I spend with her, it kind of releases and For I can sure. let go that tension. I don't think there's a, a job with with the same kind of pressure and stress like like pro sports. Are there moments you can think of when you remember feeling that release? Um, like what was it like first first time you win the championship? What was it like seeing? Your family and I just had my son. He was a, he was like this, oh. you know. So perfect super baby size. You know what I mean? Yeah, smaller than the trophy. Yeah, he was little, little. And for me, it was just proud. You know, um, it was just a very proud moment. I mean, my dad, me, and and my brother and my son were there. And you know, we just went. They brought him on the court. Like, yeah, you know, look at this man. Look at this. Get it all in, yes. son. My son. You know, like the Lion King. Yes. Just. Yes. <laughs> Put him up there in the arena, <laughs> you know, and that's um, it was it was a great feeling, and you know, getting to take the pictures, and you know, just I wanted him to one day see that and say, yeah, man, you you always around, man. We started, I started taking you around as soon as I could, and that was just, you know, a very proud moment for me because accomplishing a big goal like that is amazing. And then he was just born and. You know, just the whole uh, relevancy of the situation, just from a life perspective, was huge, you know? You've talked about your father a few times now. Mm-hmm. That that relationship is clearly an important one. Yeah. And how had that framed your own thinking about fatherhood, aside from wanting to have a few extra kids? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the disciplinary part to it, doing what you're supposed to do, being a man of your word, uh, being responsible, trying to bring those same lessons uh, to my sons. I got three of them now, and it's, it's okay, man, I got a team team full of boys. Boy, you guys going to be men, you know, and we have to make sure we're nurturing, but 
that tough nurture, nothing that, um, you know, not always telling them things that they want to hear. Because my dad, you know, he's very fair, you know, yeah. And and that's my job. And, and you know, I want them to be uh, a product, a great product of society one day. That's the main important. You don't want to be here and just be an asshole, you know. You want to actually <laughs> be a good person and yeah. people to want to talk to you and be a man of your word and responsible. And, and the deeper I get into the history of my family, the more I've found out that me and my grandfather had a lot of have a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. He had five kids. I have five kids. We had them around the same time. He had more girls. He was three girls, two boys. But you know, just just kind of like yeah, you're like his name is Daddy Jack, and that's I named my son Jackson. You know, so it's kind of, it's kind of you know making sure the family name is straight. That's yes. the main important thing. You know, yes. I would say yeah. And it's interesting. This question must come up a lot, so I'm gonna try to frame it differently. But it's it's about like how how excited or how much are you pushing about sport, sports and, mm-hmm. and your children getting into professional sports? Yeah. So so the different take on it might be because I know I, I mean, Serena gets asked it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, no one asked me if if I want my kids <laughs> to play pro sports or learn to code, but I have opinions on these things, right. and no one wants to know. <laughs> right. But okay, but. But it's, I, I think it's a, it's a worthy question just because you can say with an authority what it takes to actually get to those highest points and, and all of the sacrifice and all of the work and all the everything. And that's, I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of extra weight that comes with that because you, can, you actually like, have done it. You know what it takes. And yet, you know, just earlier you were saying like productive members of society is like the bar. Mm-hmm. And I think for all of us, right, yeah. it's like that's, that's what we want. So to the extent that you, you, you think about that and encourage that, what was your and Adrian's thinking around, you know, any interests or, or sort of passions that you saw in your children and how to develop them? I kind of I kind of took the lead on that one. I want them to do what they want to do. I don't necessarily want to want to push them into anything. So that's always the first thing people say. You're going to coach them. No, I will not be my kid's coach All right. because the coach has a certain responsibility and I can't put on my coach's hat and then once the game is over put on my dad hat you know that's that's too complicated you know coach has to push you a lot and I have to push you enough as a father so I want to keep those two things separate if they ever came to me wanting to play I'd love it I'd play but I, I keep in mind that um I didn't start playing organized basketball until I was 10. You know, I know it's way earlier now and people get right into it, which is great, but it's no rush. I made the NBA and didn't play till 10. <laughs> you hear that, parents? You can wait. You can let them explore. Say, you know what I mean? Sports and Man, interests. And, just, you know. just see what you like, yeah. you know? And um, I just try to encourage what they, what they like, mm-hmm. you know, and, and push them towards that and encourage them. But let them try everything, you know? It's funny they're making kids choose now earlier and earlier when all the way up until high school, you ran track, you played football. I mean, you know, the yeah, super athletic people, you played sports. three sports. Yeah, we were, we were both doing the same thing, obviously. <laughs> you yeah. know, so if you're an athlete, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Football, yes. baseball sometimes, basketball, track. Mm-hmm. Those are your four that you pick from. And, and, you know, same thing for the ladies. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think it's like too much pressure to try to choose now. I just let them, you know, let them do what they want to do and not, uh, be a kid. Go play with your friends. And, okay, you want to go play basketball? Let's go to the playground. You can play on the playground. But I don't want to deal with referees and other parents and all these things. It's, it's, it's a lot, you know. And um, if they want to do it, we'll, we'll do it. But 
let's take it easy. You yeah. know, I, I'm definitely going to have to restrain him because I had friends that had dads as coaches. And, you know, I'll be frank, it got abusive, mm. in my opinion. Looking back on it now, yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, as a dad, I look forward to getting into heated arguments with the coaches of my kids, right? That's part of the joy of sideline parenting. No, but there's a, I think it's, I think you bring up a really good point about creating that, that space. I, I marvel at the fact that you've been able to have this tremendously successful career. And then in the midst of it, you know, your body, which is the thing that brought you all of this success and fame and, and, clear ability mm-hmm. also serves you up these these peas these pulmonary embolisms mm-hmm. and again again the similarities with my wife are, are are striking because it's how did it feel the first time this this happened you have these feelings of of you're, you're a superhero you're a star in the nba yeah. and then to be brought face to face with your own mortality like that walk me through that what that was like was was it 14 2014? Yeah, it was 2015. 15. Yeah, it was uh, February of 2015. It was yeah. right after the playoff. I mean, All-Star game. Yes. And um, you just think about doing what's necessary to be healthy again. So that that's what was all on my mind. You know, glad to be alive. I think uh, Jerome Kersey had died a week before that. So when I called Adrian, my wife, to tell her what was going on, she Googles that. That's the first thing she sees on the way to the hospital. Jesus. So, you know, it's it's just I'm lucky to be alive, one. So it, it, I was always I, I kind of just moved on to the next thing. It was just kind of a a tough situation, obviously. Um, a tough situation. I mean, you are so understated about yeah, this, no, man. Well, a lot of people don't know I had surgery. They had to go in my lungs and clear it out. So, like, that was the hard part. Nobody, A lot of people don't know about that. I had surgery. I thought I was going home. That's like the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, I thought I was going home after five days. I was in the hospital for five days. And I said, all right, I'm going home. And like, ah, yeah. So, um, you know, anytime you meet a new doctor, that's not good. Meet a new doctor. We got to, you know, we got to do surgery on you tomorrow morning. You know, it just kind of was going. And then recovering from that was... I start to understand. You understand things more and you have more empathy for people who are in the hospital longer because I know how I felt being in there for two weeks, you know, and that was just psychologically just crazy. Yeah. But just being able to get out of there, being blessed, move on to another situation. And then, you know, it happened. And again, this time I wasn't in the hospital or anything. It was just I felt fine. You know, you feel like you can go and, and that was kind of that that more than anything else at least the other time I felt pain I was obviously not doing well my lung was collapsed all these different things the second time I'm just playing basketball and I'm being proactive saying man I'm a little sore in my calf let me let me do the right thing and then you know then you're left with these thoughts of like should I have said that which now you know you never know that might be the one that gets you it's yeah. the one you don't see coming yeah. so but at the time, it was just a very difficult thing to deal with. And, you know, it just kind of slowly ended, you know. You're talking about it with such nonchalance about, and I, and I get it, that's the mentality that helps you. You have to keep moving forward. Yeah. But can you, can you take me back to maybe the, the, the first time you saw Adrian again or your children again? And, like, was there, 
Was there a renewed sense of appreciation of, like, what? Oh, for sure. Because you're going from the height of heights in terms of physical greatness yeah. to feeling, like, to realizing you could have died. Yeah, we have we have pictures. One of the first things, I mean, you know, you have to get out and walk mm-hmm. after being, I think I was in Very bed at home right. for like a week. But you got to walk. And I didn't leave my, um, after surgery, I didn't leave. I never left. It was pretty much solitary confinement. I never left my, my room. I would walk. They say, yeah, you can walk the halls. And I'm not walking the halls so people can see me and all this stuff. And um, I walked laps in the room. So, you know, by the time I got home, I remember my daughter, uh, she was a baby baby. And she, you know, she liked the cars with the push thing. And I remember like, okay, we're going to go for a walk. We're gonna just walk one house down. That's how I started out, and I mean, we get down to the house and oh boy, I'm woozy. Just looking back, like oh, all right, let's go back, baby. But those little things and kind of you know, she wasn't walking yet, so you know, just reconnecting back with that. That was you know very very important. I mean, I was just in so much pain. It was tough to kind of have just a a great (laughs) feeling and. I just, you know, I was so concentrated on get back, getting back on my feet. But once I was, yeah, all those appreciations definitely come in. You definitely see, okay, I, I, I've kind of had the wrong outlook about this thing a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm humbled, <laughs> and this can all end. And and even to this day, I still get the chills thinking about it. Like it didn't take me. It, people have died with way less complications with the same exact thing. You know what I mean? basketball players so you know um that makes me you know proud that all right i'm here i can't blow it (laughs) don't blow it chris let's make sure we uh, do something with it now post uh basketball how how does that shape your thinking about what you want to be doing because i've i've talked to other athletes about who had young kids when they were in the league when they played professionally and they're aware of and they saw parts of them in that job, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, but know much more of them in, in that uh, post-professional athlete life. And that helped them kind of think about and shape what they wanted to do next because they wanted, they, they were really thoughtful about what they wanted their kids to see them uh, as, so mm-hmm. to speak. So how has that informed how you've thought about it and, and the work that y'all have done? I, I, you know, I haven't really thought about it like that. I just yeah. was like, I'll just do what I do. And, <laughs> you know, they'll definitely catch on. I just, yeah. I definitely, because everything I'm going to, anything I'm going to do is going to be, you know, positive. It's going to, you know, be morally intact always. You know, that's just a part of, uh, you know, uh, our family thing. So in that, I'm confident just... You know, any path I go down, hey, learn from me. You won't get anywhere better in the world, kid. You know, so I can. I, but, but I, I think about my decisions before I make them. You know, so, so I can feel good that okay, they're watching me. If they're watching me, which I know they are, then this is what they're going to see, and then I'm good with that. Well, and I, I, I was wondering if maybe there was a segue there to the work that you all do with Team Tomorrow, and and what role does philanthropy and education what what does that role play in in what you know the the sort of the very varied legacy that you want to leave for them a majority of the basketball camps that i went to were free Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and uh i don't know how they were free but someone Mm -hmm. 
donated whatever time, money, sneak, whatever it took for these kids to play basketball. And this was in Dallas? Yeah, in Dallas, Texas, when I was, where I was growing up. So that's always been very near and dear to my heart. And, you know, I, I had basketball camps when I was younger um, in the league. And those kids are like playing in colleges now. Like, mm. I think we, I mean, and not even, we were even trying, we weren't trying, we were just having fun and just paying it forward. trying to think of another drill for these kids to do and then play games. What do we do next? You know, and then you see a kid at Clemson, at Texas A&M, like, oh, wow, this guy, you know, they win state championships in high school. And, and you know, hopefully that experience played, you know, just some small part in it. And then even bigger than that, hopefully they'll help some kids one day because they were able to, you know, connect with the game at a, at a, at a place where, you know, they felt they could beat themselves, you know? Why, why does that matter to you, though? You got your piece. You got your family. Yeah. Like, you're doing right by them. Like, Well, I mean, because, I mean, it, 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 would, it would kind of be weird if I didn't kind of give back in a sense because at least provide that same thing that I had. So, and I wanted to make the NBA. So even if it's a kid coming up to me, asking me for a picture, grown people's like, Hey, come on. You know, it might be in a situation. I can't take a picture, man. But if it's a kid to be thoughtful, Hey man, I want you to have a good experience when you meet me because I could only imagine how I would feel if I were to see, I've met, you know, Derek Harper and I was like, Oh, you know, so when kids do that to me, it's like, I remember doing that. Some people be like, get out of here, kid, you know. <laughs> but, you know, even if it's like 10 seconds, yeah. I'm going to give you an experience. And, you know, hopefully it'll be like, man, that's that's cool. And, and I want to play basketball one day. Wow. And, you know, he's setting a good example. Oh, Chris said, do this, man. I'm going to consider it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have to do it. Just consider it. Yeah. Well, look, there is one of the things that's become much more clear, I think, especially in the age of social media is the the ability now for athletes in particular to have their own platforms um, where you don't have to go through the media like you used to have to in order to get a message out, which we know gets distorted and twisted. Sure, take that one thing, right? That little narrow thing where you got everything else. And so now that that authority has been shifted back now to the individuals, I think think it means, right, by more athletes being able to take control of the message, of their own message— um, they're able to put forth exactly or, or much closer to what they actually want out in the world. Yeah, for sure. When I think about how that reflects back, I think you're right. I think there's a generation of young men and women who are now looking at sport and thinking about how they're going to do it differently based on what you all are telling them, the hard truths that you can oh, now yeah. say a lot more honestly and a lot more openly because you're the, you're the mouthpiece. You're the oh, I haven't even gotten started. Yeah? Oh, man. <laughs> Along those lines, what gets, you, what gets you hyped? Just young people making the, you know, the right decisions because it's hard enough. Even if you make those right decisions, you're still going to get knocked down plenty of times, you know? It does not, you know, failure just isn't going to be immune to you, you know? It just goes down in different levels for younger ones, you know, 8 to 12. You just want to be a positive influence, make sure they're thinking about the right things, setting those intentions, say, hey, pay attention mm-hmm. <laughs> in class, mm-hmm. do what you need to do, work hard, do these things just to believe in yourself, get to know yourself, do other things. Mm-hmm. And then once they find that thing, so, you know, upper, you know, team, mid-teens to, like, varsity players, now it's kind of, look, man, who, you know, if you're trying to go to college, your effort is not good enough. Or, 
you're not going to school. What do you think is going to happen if you don't go to school? You do, what, what are you thinking? You know, teach people to think and, and, and have their own thoughts and interpret it and slow down. You know, um, it, it just goes on so many levels. But just I just, you know, just to be a positive influence is important because, I, you know, I can think of, you know, five people right off the top of my head who didn't want anything. I just want to help you because I want to see you do well. You know, yes. I don't want anything from you. Those are the people who make all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you can lead with that, lead with generosity, lead with giving, mm-hmm. it, it is amazing. I've seen it my entire career be nothing but a blessing because it comes back to you so many more times. For sure. And somebody told me, somebody told me, I'm like, man, I don't want nothing from you, man. I was obviously, you know, an NBA talent at 17. He could have, uh, hey, man, I just want to see you do good, man. Let's just mm-hmm. get in the gym. I just love going to the gym, man. Let's just get some work in. And, you know, that can be enough right there. But, you know, sometimes people want more. Well, And, it, and especially, <laughs> like, especially through the path of sports, very quickly if you start showing potential. There's a lot of people who are trying to do something oh, for yeah. you, so to speak, oh, but are so quick to really just be serving themselves. Oh, 100%. And, and this, is the stuff, this is the stuff that a generation of new athletes, of young athletes coming up, hopefully will be better prepared for. Well, it, they need to be prepared for it because it's more polarizing. It's more polarizing than ever. And they have their own platform. I can imagine that. Just like you were saying, hey, we got our own voice. But they learned that at 14 years old. And, yes. and that can be a good thing. It can be a thing. It could be a bad thing, you know. It's something you definitely have to. It's a responsibility, and you need to. If okay, you want to be a basketball player, a tennis player, soccer player, businessman, mm-hmm. you need to think about that when you're posting. Yes. You know, you probably don't think about it because you're a kid, but mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. But <laughs> got to be thinking a few steps ahead. For yeah, sure. I'm just glad I was in that situation because I don't know what <laughs> I, I think. All I don't of us know were. I, do. I think all of us were. Of course. <laughs> And and at some point, everyone will have an awkward social media baggage because oh. ever like, and then it'll be like mutually assured destruction. So <laughs> even the old people, even the, the 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 ninety plus crowd, will all have had social media baggage from when they were teenagers. Oh, sure. So at that point, it'll all be kind of neutralized. But until then, yeah, it's it's so important to be thinking ahead. <laughs> and then and so this is the final thing, and this is a sensitive subject, and I was, I was debating bringing it up. But wait, so are you a Cowboys fan? Yeah. God. Hey, man, look, you know. That's got to be hard these days. Hey, it's hard every year. Let me just be, it's hard every year. Just based off of your reaction right yeah. there, that's what makes it hard. Um, I, I just, you know. Who, 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 who do you? I grew up a Skins fan. Oh, man. And, and I know I'm a masochist, clearly. But I, 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 cut, I cut the team off cold turkey two years ago. So brief anecdote. 2006, we sold Reddit. And the first thing I did was I upgraded my dad's season tickets. He had had two nosebleeds for a couple of years at FedEx. I got him front row seats, got two for my boys, and then the four of us would go to every home game. I didn't miss a home game for a decade plus. Like, I, every single, didn't matter. Good times, mostly bad times. But, like, we had that one RG3 season. Like, we had our moments, right? Yeah. But two years ago, I told my dad, I was like, I'm not renewing these tickets. Like, I can't keep giving money. To Dan Snyder. You should. You should, man. Because I I feel like you, my father, are being taken advantage of. Because, like, look, if my dad loves his Toyota Camry, right? He's a big – he loves his Camrys, right? He's been buying Toyota for, like, many, many years. And if Toyota ever made a product that he wasn't happy with, he would switch to a better one. Mm-hmm. But because these teams prey on our, like, loyalties and tribalism, even though Dan Snyder hates – hates 
the fans of his team with through every one of his actions, everything he's ever done clearly shows he hates us. We are, or some number of us are still willing to keep coming back yeah, to that. The yeah, and, and it's like Stockholm syndrome where you've fallen in love with your kidnapper and I just cut it off. I was like, dad, I can't see this happen to you. I was about to become a father. It's like, I don't want to do this to Olympia. I'm serious. I was like, I want her to have a chance. Just this generation so, thing, we've got to I stop know, it now. It's got to be it. So I hope somehow Olympia finds something to love uh, about even just fo- watching football with her will be, will be sufficient. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting hammered in football right now. I've, I've stopped watching. I've been getting yeah. crushed in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Cowboys, I mean, they're pretty much, you know, Jones silver was. platter after silver platter. And, you know, it's just, but hey, still in first place. The good news is the NFC East is so terrible. <laughs> still it in doesn't first matter. place. Redskins still... are not out of playoff contention, which is the saddest thing. <laughs> saddest hey, part man, of the whole At the end story. of the day, that's what people... Uh, and, you know, sometimes as bad as it gets, sometimes, hey, man, it doesn't matter. We're in first place, and that's the only thing we need to think about look, right Look, you make the playoffs. Everyone's 0-0 zero, zero again. And, hey, man. You know, that's what matters. All right, well, Chris, it was a pleasure. Appreciate Thank it, you, man. man. Thanks for having me. It's a blast. Business status brought to you by Initialized. Initialize invests in early-stage technology companies and helps founders avoid the thousands of landmines that can cause failure. Visit Initialize.com to find out more.